you think chronic <laughs> heavy lifting is going to do? It's all breaking. It's all breaking. Yeah. So that's where I think the best thing that can happen in strength is get them out of the weight room. Get everybody out of the weight room. If, just imagine how great strength coaches would be if they just took what the body already came with and just made that better. Yes. Like, that's it. That's it. Don't add <laughs> external anything. Just squeeze the juice out of calisthenics. Like, <laughs> I'm telling you, you're going to find it. You're going to find effortless, efficient, and effective movement patterns that are just, oh, so free. Like, just using that free energy. It's beautiful to watch. I mean, you see it with deers. You see it with other animals all the time. But we want to grind things for – I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a time and place, mm -hmm. but especially if you do it in conjunction with. But it's like, man, take that. That was Stanford University strength and conditioning coach Corey Schlesinger speaking on the importance of building and emphasizing innate human abilities in sports performance. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Simply Faster. Simply Faster is an online athletic performance technology shop distributing items such as the free lap timing system, gym aware, K-Box, 1080 Sprint, and the Speed Mat. I've gotten many of these items from Simply Faster and can confidently say that they make today's best training technology available to everybody. The free lap timing system has revolutionized both my practices and my athlete assessments allowing me to look at the 10-meter fly capability of dozens of athletes in a matter of seconds. It is wireless, compact, portable, and incredibly versatile. The K-Box and 1080 Sprint are fantastic tools for any coach looking to build speed, agility, and implement training scenarios that go beyond the traditional weight room. The 1080 Sprint is being used by great coaches training some of the fastest sprinters in the world, and it truly represents high-performance speed training. I can personally attest that Simply Faster's customer service is second to none, Christopher at Simply Faster responds quickly to queries, and anyone who makes a purchase from Simply Faster is in good hands. If you want to acquire some of the best high-tech training equipment available, stop by simplyfaster.com. That's simply with an I, faster.com. They are the future of coaching technology. Welcome to episode 138 of the Just Fly Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Smith. Thanks for being here today. And on the show today, we have Corey Schlesinger, head men's basketball strength and conditioning coach at Stanford University. Uh, Corey is a rock star in the strength and conditioning world. Uh, I refer to him as like a, akin to a master craftsman in the art of training athletes. He has so many tools in his weight room, so many ways of using them, and an incredible way of understanding the needs of his athletes almost like this ability to put himself in their shoes and do what is necessary to give them their best experience and best shot at being the best human being athlete they can be on the court. Uh, and you'll see that ring throughout this whole episode. You, you heard it a little bit in the teaser. Um, Corey is non-traditional as am I, which just set up for an awesome show. Uh, again, I, yeah, I did this. So I did this live and in person, the first one, exciting times. I've always just really enjoyed having conversations with coaches. I never wanted things to be a list of questions. And so it was awesome, truly fun to sit down with Corey. Uh, he's a guy I've known for a little bit over a year. He's been on a ton of podcasts and rightly so. And if you've listened to any of his work, you just know his passion, his insightfulness, and how he is getting the job done with those in his care. Um, not only working with men's basketball at Stanford, but also with just a, a variety of elite level athletes. 
Corey is uh, the man at what he does. So before we did this episode, actually, uh, and, and I've enjoyed doing this with other coaches such as Paul Cater, but I wanted to get a workout in. So Corey took me through. It was kind of a recovery day. We played with some center mass bells, warmed up with that, which I, I go on and on about it in this episode. But just I felt my hamstrings like none other doing that work. The work that basically Corey would say is building a basic human being. And I was like, whoa, this is this is really cool. And we continued to do like some kettlebell juggling, just some fun. Um, it was really just playing with strength equipment. And I doing things like that makes me a better coach and helps me to get more insight on other coaches' thought process at the same time. So it was so much fun. So when we finally got down to talking, I was excited to really get into how Corey sees the creation of an athlete and athletic qualities in the weight room and therein how he structures the workout for his basketball players and how he just creates this this athlete driven program that feeds off the power of choice and the, the power of athletes intuition and not just this program that's driven by what the coach the, the lifts the coach likes but that feeds into what's going to give the athletes their best experience that fits with their needs on the court so we're going to get into um, like the martial arts and how that fits in with building an athlete, um, how to athletically build an NBA body and um, making players more muscular and putting some mass on people. And finally, Corey can share a little bit of advice on honing creativity in coaching. Uh, again, it was, it's been fun to do this podcast so far, but I'm thrilled to start to do these in-person interviews as I can. Um, also, you'll notice the audio probably sounds better, and I joked on Twitter that I had had my microphone, my main microphone turned around for two years. When I got my in-person kit together, I was like, whoa, something is not right with my main microphone. These cheap microphones sound better than my main one. And well, here we are. So hopefully, I'm also pleased to bring you better audio from this point forward. But uh, I'm not going to steal the thunder on this episode. So let's get to this conversation with strength coach Corey Schlesinger. You choose the exercise. You know your body better than I do. You know it intuitively feels good. I've given you all these tools in the off-season, especially when you go in the end-season. You tell me what we're doing. Okay, cool. That feels good. We're going to push the envelope on that. And then, you know what? You're tired of it six weeks later because, to be honest with you, they can do the same exercise for almost a year and still get better at it because they come in so weak, so it doesn't matter. Um, But, yeah, just letting the power of choice drive their training because, look, it's basketball players. It's not in the culture of, like, lifting weights unless you're doing arms. Right. Like for if you're really trying to chase, you know, adaptation, then, yeah, you got to give them the power of choice. So, yeah. And I like uh, so just kind of working out with you and seeing all these different training tools and things. I mean, like I said, it's like I'm working out. It's akin to a master car mechanic who has all these uh, not only new modern equipment, but also these old like this old wrench that this old wrench is for this job here. And I just love it. And it's awesome. And it's like. Um, I've never seen such a wide spectrum of training pieces. Um, and then, man, those center of mass bells, I've, it was just crazy. I mean, I've done a million kettlebell swings in my life, but I've never had anything light up my hamstrings like what we were just doing. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was crazy. I mean, and you know, it's like you said, your GPP coach, it's like, well, where does GPP fit? What's the most GPP can transfer in some areas. But I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to hit my hamstrings better. Like that was awesome. If I was one of your athletes, I would pick that. (laughs) I'm like, coach, I want to do that all the time. Um, so what are some of the things, and, and so let's get into this, and you were talking about a little bit of a, you mentioned sports science prior, and you were talking about uh, like eccentric rate of force development. Like what are the big um, KPIs then with the with the jump testing or the mm-hmm. rate of force development that you're looking for? And then if you could go in with maybe a few like routes uh, that those guys might take to see an improvement. And obviously, yeah, it's all, you know, they're 
preference that really drives a lot of it. So what, what's, uh, what's going on with that? Right. So, well, with our sessions, it's, well, with our training frequency, it allows me to have so much latitude, right. To allow them to choose. Like if if we only trained one to two times a week, especially in season, like most like maintenance programs, if you will, then, okay, there's no power choice. Like, look, these are the things you have to do to genuinely prepare because I'm too afraid to do anything else because we don't train as often. But for us, we train five to six times a week, especially when we're at home. So with that much training frequency, now obviously the sessions are shorter. They're like 20 to 30 minutes. But with that type of latitude, then we can go down the rabbit hole of all these different, quote unquote, adaptations. So for instance, if it's a relative strength day, well, I want that to match a hard day in practice too, right? So it's probably one of the most grinding aspect of it. So it's going to be the furthest away from competition. So, all right, we're going to do something that's kind of grindy, right? It could be a squat on the athletic training platform for max weight or whatever you want to call it. It could be safety squat bar. It could be super heavy trap bar deadlifts. And once again, every one of those that I just named could have a different emphasis depending on the guys and what they need. So low eccentric rate of force development, right? Just needs to get stronger. So here we go. Let's do things that get you stronger. Concentric impulse. We can do some trap bar variations where they're overcoming inertia, right? These are things that, look, I just, I give them the category, their needs and their preferences are what drives the results. To be honest with you, even if they have you know, unfavorable eccentric rate of force development or whatever that we're tracking. Okay. Just let them keep doing it and see the changes. Like, don't think that you're picking that exercise and it's actually happening. Like I understand that if you do certain tempos or you do certain methods that you will elicit a certain response. I totally understand that, but their power of intuition with no understanding of the of, of exercise and science generally drives pretty good results. And the reason why I can say that is because my athletes are weak from day one. So I can do this. We have all the latitude in the world because they're starting as Bambi. If I was working with stopwatch sports or strength athletes that are already strong, of course I can't take this route, right? But that's the beauty of what I get to do is there's so much play. It's almost like a fast break. It's almost like basketball where there's so much freedom and creativity. And to be honest with you, you still get great results. And so that's what I think is super fun about basketball specifically is because they're all weak, so it's okay. <laughs> you just get a little stronger, and you're going to see changes in those KPIs. Yeah, I, and I, I love that. I love you admits, like, look, these guys are coming in weak. I mean, and it's definitely not – it's not hard to take someone who never lifted and just, you know, here's the power lifts and here's the Olympic lifts, and, oh, you got better. I did my job, right? Like, right. But it's more to me and what I've just, like, learned through, through knowing you, uh, our relationship together, working out with you is – the ex- that experience you had along the way, like finding those lifts that really jived with your body. You know, we both talk about the neurotype thing. Right. What jives with what drives your biochemistry? What do you like to do? Like, man, I again, I love that little center of mass bell, just really like making it impulse driven, fun. Like, I just felt like my body, like these weak muscles, were just banging on all the cylinders that I could never get through a uh, hamstring curl or something like that. And and I would pick that. And then you have all these different tools, the, the shoulder stuff. It's like. I've never met a coach who had such a wide array of, 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 of means to give athletes, um, to, to let athletes be their own ambassador. Like I've heard it like you are your own ambassador to your path rather than here's these lifts, do this, these sets and reps. Right. This is the best thing for you. And you know, it could be good for you, but is it the best? Is it, does it make you happy? It's like Tony Heller talking about feed the cats. Like what drives mm, your biochemistry? Right. And, well, uh, man, the, I think it's awesome. Well, the reason for that though, is the population I've trained. Like, look, I got anywhere between five, six and seven foot two, right? In my entire career. So you have to have the, 
once again, latitude, but regression models on regression models on regression models. So for instance, in early my career, I was like, oh, we clean, we snatch, we deadlift, we squat, you know, we do these. And then I realized, hmm, with those levers, do I really want to do those? And then, you know, there's some areas that we can go down maybe later that made me get to that point of understanding, you know, like a deeper consciousness to say, oh, wow, this is what a seven foot two wingspan may feel like. So what do I got to do to, for those athletes to make them not necessarily comfortable because that's not the goal, but successful. And if I have success with the lift, then I'll have load and then I'll have speed and I'll have all the, you know, exercise is just a mean, you know? So what do I really want to drive here? Well, I want to drive intuition. I want to drive the innate ability to say, hey, I can pick that exercise. I can do it year round and I can still get stronger at it and I can revisit it whenever I want. So all these trap bar variations, right? Like, trust me, once again, early in my career, I was a purist. I love, everybody's cleaning. And then I got a trap bar and I'm like, I can do the same thing with the trap bar. <laughs> I just the same cues, if you will, and the same intent. Strong triple extension, catch in a power position. I didn't have to rack a bar. Great. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And now I have everybody in the weight room from advanced to elementary being able to do similar lifts, but just at different loads and different intensities. And it's it's awesome. It's awesome to see. Yeah, what are what are some of those different like maybe just give a couple examples of a few players who may have some different preferences and obviously you got seven two you got six right, foot right like right. tons of different preferences but what are some different things we're seeing in a session of yours for sure so once again it's just a category so and like an in season training program um, they come in they see the board there's an A series that are really our A series is just about being a better human right just trying to expand what every human should be able to do. Right. Some of it's standing to sitting transitions. Some of it's crawling. Some of it's carrying, um, hanging, all sorts of different things. Then we go into a complex. Now, complex is every single day. Once again, I have athletes with low training ages and they're weak as piss. So I have whatever we're doing. We have to do it all the time. So I get a hinge. I get some type of extension. I get a squat. I get a pull. I got everything. So all, the only thing I change is the implements. So it's same but different. So now we're hitting these patterns all the time. So we're increasing the groove, if you will. They're getting better at exercising. And then C, here we go. This is the one that's driving the bus. Whatever you want to do in this pattern, go for it. So, for instance, we did a strength speed, if you will, uh, squat session. So I had three athletes on athletic training platform with bands. I had two athletes with chains on a safety squat bar. And I had the rest of my athletes, they were doing a trap bar squat, if you will, super heel elevated, and they were doing it with tempos. Once again, I have three different means. It's all the same movement pattern. It's just, once again, it's what the athlete likes to do. And then just track it along the way and see the changes. I've, all, I've been generally right when I make my athletes do certain things, especially in off season, but my athletes have always been right in season with their quote-unquote KPIs and their exercise selection, and I have all the data to prove it. So, I mean, I got guys, I'm not kidding you, like I, I, will, I will print out the force deck data for you. I have guys sitting jump height, counter movement jump, PRs, career PRs, and this is the third week in February. So we're almost done with our season. How does that happen? It's all about what you emphasize. It's all about what you let the athletes do. If they feel good, they're going to move good. So that power of choice, I didn't make that decision. Like, who, who am I, Nostradamus? Like, I don't know. 
It's like, no, the athletes do, though. Man, my knees are a little tender today. Yeah, but I'm going to make you do all those plyometrics. Like, get out of here. Just to drive my KPIs so that I can pat myself at the end of the season saying, hey, we were bigger, faster, stronger at this time of year. No. The athletes, I've, when I let the athletes do it, they prove me right every time. I'm thinking I'm going to start calling you Nostradamus now. You got me. <laughs> what about Celestradamus? There we go. Celestra, I was trying to think of this. How could I get Corey? You know, yeah, Celestradamus here. That's, that's what's going to go on the podcast uh, title. Uh, maybe I can get uh, Jake to make you uh, make a little like cat for you or something like that. That'd be pretty bad. Uh, so, anyways, uh, no, I love that stuff, man. And, and again, it's just like, it makes me think about this. It's like traditionally, right, in season, oh, that's maintenance. Well, Sure, if it's just the straight barbell traditional lifts you've done all year and right. you're already kind of adapted on them and maybe you're sick of them or maybe you want something else or maybe it wasn't your jam, yeah, it is maintenance, you know, but if you get to pick those specific iterations of those movements that you like, mm-hmm. now it totally changes the game. And maybe that was the difference between, you know, an inch down on your vertical in season or two that a lot of people, that happens a lot versus gaining. And which is, I remember that was um, when I went to graduate school that they were talking about the, the it was a system where the grad assistants work with basketball, but they're like, man, everyone's dunking before the season and then they played and, right. and, and then everyone lost it. Right. And obviously workloads, player workloads and stuff is big too, I'm sure. But just, I can't see being able to pick the lifts that you really liked and rock that in season and having some ownership over that as not just being insanely helpful in maintaining your athleticism. One thing that I hear in college all the time is like, man, in high school I had so much bounce, but I got to college and it went away. And it's like, yeah, because strength coaches probably made you grind weights, Mm -hmm. like period, just grind it, grind it. And it's like, well, that free energy worked for a reason. Like, let's give it back to the kid. And then we add load management on top of that. Ah, they might be actually moving faster, jumping higher, all that fun stuff. So it's it's crazy. Or you hear summer bounce. Oh, I got summer bounce because they're not practicing so much. Well, yeah, no shit, right? Yeah. But then there's the other aspect to that where they're still children. They're still learning mm-hmm. the game. Like I remember my IQ when I was at that age as far as basketball. So maybe just overall physical output is not the indicator of winning and losing. So that's where all those other aspects come in. And that's the part that I'm more interested in because – I'm over physical output. Who cares? Like I'm telling you, every strength coach that I see posting 40-inch verticals and all that, go go it right ahead. That's totally fine. But I see you lose games. <laughs> like that that's you're fighting the wrong battle. Like you're so siloed and you're not able to help the overall stress or the holistic environment if you or the the ecosystem so that they can flourish. Right? You're just you're cool. You're in your corner getting physical outputs at what expense and that's what i that's why i just don't care and that's why maybe that's why that's led to the success of the athletes as far as in my controlled environment is because i don't put these standards or these percentages on them saying you have to hit these numbers you have to hit these numbers like oh this is the this is the percentage you're going to work out and you're going to hit no just hey i don't know let's see what you did cool at the end i just tell them the weight they did last time if they revisit an exercise well we'll probably i mean Anywhere between five to six weeks, they probably stick with similar exercises because, once again, they can do it forever and get strong at it. But I don't, I don't say you have to get somewhere. Just surprise me with your results. As long as we're not going down, I'm good. But what's really interesting is guys are PRing in all of their lifts as we go through season because I'm not putting an emphasis on it. And because our training frequency is so high, you can train them faster. You can train or train them more often train them heavier and they're not going to get burned out. And so I don't know. It's I'm very lucky that I have a coach that lets me do this type of training. Cause I don't know any other sport coaches that are like, yeah, take my guys six times in the weight room. I mean, even football 
in season. Like you don't hear like that's crazy to think about, but basically it's a warm up to let them go play basketball better. <laughs> yeah. It, power of less, man. It's like easy strength that, yeah. And, right. and I know that you've talked about the micro dosing and the, the high frequency and other shows. So basically you're going, um, like 20 minutes a day, five, six times a week or something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it can range up to 30, like the later we get in season. The reason for that is because you do need the volume. Like for instance, you can't just come in, do your A, B series, which is like a total of what, six exercises or whatever. And just to warm up and then go three sets of four and then expect results. Right. So you need to get like some higher volume, like 10 sets of two, you know, uh, it's eight sets of three, whatever you're doing. Right. So you need the, you need to give them the opportunity to display strength or display power. So that's one thing that early in season, I limit them because the stress is so high, especially going into preseason, going into non-conference schedule, because we keep adding these new stresses. Here's the stress now, we got preseason. So practice is super high, double days, all this other stuff. Then we go into introducing games. So that's a whole new stress. And especially if you're a freshman, now you're in school for the first time. And then once you've adapted to those adaptable things, oh, okay, let's start adding more volume in the weight room. Everything stayed the same. The only thing I did was just give them the opportunity to get strong once they've uh, weathered the storm, if you will. Yeah, I, I like, just in talking to you, it's like I almost see, and I always think of coaching, and just this is life in general, this isn't just coaching, but it's like these layers of awareness. It's like you're in the circle, but then all of a sudden you pop out of it and you're outside, like like we pop out of that 1RM is the end-all, be-all oh, right. circle. And then we pop out of the next circle or like, and it's almost like the ones I can sense out of you is like the idea that, okay, all this stuff in the weight room and outputs, it's, if you look at like the Bonderchuk pyramid, it's, uh, and Kirwan and Flat said this, it's like, it's, it, it is, what we do is um, SPE at best, or it's GPP. You know, we can't, mm. we're not on the court, like, you know, infusing this into court directions and things like that, but we, we, we know what it is. We make the best experience that we can of it. But then also like the the stress, it's almost like the way you're saying, it's almost like you need to start with the stress, like start with stress first and then think about everything else. And that like being another layer bubble that you have to get out that obviously you're clearly well out of and can see things from that end of it, where I think some of us, it's easy to be trapped inside, you know, just, Oh, I hope you got the 40 inch vert, you know, like <laughs> right. what, how much did I put on your lift? Like, right. cause that, I mean, yeah, it's like, let's just be real and, and talk about what really, um, yeah, what really matters in that starting point that, that that's, really insightful that actually gives me a cool new insight on kind of that whole process too you start there and you start there and then you can really increase increase your impact absolutely i mean we're developing this large reservoir to handle stress and then we don't take full advantage of it in the time of year where we should right so for instance if i'm thinking of the most high stress times for my athletes during the year it's when they get back for preseason it's midterms and it's finals if i look at stress holistically then I want to take my super small compartmentalized aspect of controlled stress in a weight room and manipulate that more. So no, 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 no. Like what about all these other stressors that going to conflict with that? So my idea is the weight room, the controlled environment is my readiness testing for everything because that's the beautiful thing about the weight room. Mm -hmm. Load is load. If it's the same, it never changes, but how you feel does. And so all of a sudden that 60 kilos feels way different today, good or bad. That now tells me, oh, the dynamic environment you're about to go into, it's going to be a lot harder. So I got six or seven guys that are like, mm, their complexes are looking, little, they're, they're, they're grabbing that bar, they're readjusting that grip often. Okay, I'm going to go talk to coach. Hey, coach, today something, you know, something's going on. I don't know what, but 
I'm seeing this in a controlled environment. The dynamic environment is going to make it a lot harder. Coach, just be mindful of this. And this, and that's the beautiful, beautiful thing about my relationship with Coach. He's intuitively already knows, and he does a great job of adjusting. That's that's awesome, man. I feel like that's like that's like the the idea. Like, was it James Smith governing dynamics of yes. coaching, which I haven't read, but I'm sure that is like yes. the epitome of that. Like, because if you're in your silo, I'm just going to get you as strong as I can. Da da da. Which I mean, yeah, good to be strong, but like you can only do so much, and it's like the high frequency uh, affords you that opportunity, not just three days a week, but every day. Like right. how much more powerful is that, you know? And well that, and yeah. it's like, you know, when they come in and just like, Corey, I don't feel good. Leave. All of a sudden they feel really good <laughs> and practice goes well. I just saved a practice day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's where it's, if you, if you train often enough, it's okay to not train. Yes. <laughs> you <know>? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not overly like, it's like, oh, this is my job to make you guys strong. Well, I couldn't miss a day in here. Like, oh, this right. is like, all right. Like, no, I, I love those days. I'm like, please get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's, it's the strength coaches that think they got their team stronger and that means success. And look, I'm not passing judgment, but if you see, you're not going to agree with all training philosophies. And especially if you see like, okay, there's a hit program, there's, you know, an Olympic based program, there's, you know, whatever. But if you don't agree with that training methodology, but they're winning national championships, well, then what are you? So you're wrong then, right? So that's where it's, you know what, it doesn't really matter. What matters is you're creating whatever you think is right and whatever works in your ecosystem. And if it drives success, fantastic. At the end of the day, it's about the athletes. Yes. If they got the gold, it doesn't matter what training program you put them on. They got the gold. So, yeah, I think it definitely takes like a lowering of the ego to get to that point right. to, to say it. And, and, and it's, but it's from that point you can do so much more, I think. And well, I'm yeah. so glad you said that because this field should be changing drastically in, a, in the aspect where we got to get out of the weight room. Like, if you're just going to be the weight room guy, don't be talking about salaries. You know, don't be talking about, oh, I'll only make this if you're just the weight room guy because that doesn't determine success. It doesn't. If you, if, 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 like, I feel like the NBA's got that figured out. But, you know, if that ever got figured out in college, then it's a totally different aspect. But you got to find value in other ways. So if I can educate sport coaches on practice loads or, motor learning aspects like neuroplasticity like this is how you develop skill right and then how do you layer that skill and then you go oh in a tactical like this is how you build that oh okay now you're involved in practice now you're the practice guy okay that's very that's valuable because that's every single day so and then obviously you're doing all the other aspects right you're overseeing nutrition you're overseeing uh return to play right not return to train there's a difference like you see it a lot in college where Strength coaches aren't involved in a return to play protocol. It's more of, okay, like the trainer sees him do some A skips and B skips and boom, he's good. It's like, whoa, whoa, no, like that's not how that goes. So you're going to see that re injury like in no time. So that's where you got to have as m many stokes and fires to create that value. And if you're stuck in the weight room, you ain't going to be that. Yeah, that's huge, man. I almost look at it as like in my, I have this like vision in my head, like it's like a Venn diagram of everyone's job. And, and you have the strength coach and, and the head coach and the skill coaches and sports medicine. And it's like, if none of those circles ever touch, uh, you know, I'm only in the weight room. I am only in the training room, you know, and you, you limit what you can do when those circles start to overlap where you own your domain, but you're a consultant or a collaborator in the other domain. Right. That's where, that's where the big shit happens. Absolutely. Like, yeah. And that's where... Look, I think there's great strength coaches that can train any sport. 
but there's the cultural aspect. There's the under, there's the understanding of, um, playing the sport itself. That's so valuable. Like how many basketball strength coaches are out there that actually play basketball? Not many, but how many basketball strength programs have football guys? A lot. Not saying that that's, they can still be great physical training coaches. Like I'm not saying a hundred percent they can, but where the real gold is on the back end, when you're in those coaches meetings and you're helping them decide, you're helping their decision-making process and to be able to have influence over that, to have overall success, then that's where the real gold is. That's, that's where you find salaries, right? Yeah, I think every strength coach, and that's like, I mean, I you know, I was a track coach primarily, but doing SNC as like a smaller thing for six years. And for a long time, I'm like, oh, like track is what I want to do. Like being D3, I'm like, I want to be a you know, D1 assistant to be my next thing in the ladder. And, and SNC originally, as it was originally presented to me, square one was just do these lifts, like I say, be a robot. Right. And I ran from that and wanted to do track. Right. <laughs> but now being in, being in full circle and just all the learning I've gone through, it's like, whoa. I get to learn in depth about these four sports I work with. I can go and I get to, I get to see not just track movements. I get to see movements in tennis and swim and water polo. And I get to see the motor learning strategies of all these coaches in those sports. And the motor learning strategy I saw from one sport helps me in the weight room or it helps me. And, and I'm like, wow, this is awesome, man. And it's like, but, and even like working with aquatics too, like I'm not a great swimmer, but I still got in the pool and tried to learn just if nothing else, just to know what do you feel like when you get out of the water, right. if you have to lift after you, you, right. you swam and what, what are you, what's the mentality of this? And, and, uh, yeah, man, I would say, I, maybe I said it already, but like, I love watching the Instagram videos of you hooping, like, cause it's just like, <laughs> not anymore. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, one, yeah, we'll get out there on one leg, you know, that'd be the, yeah, that'd be the next workout we do a we'll play a little bit, but it's like, can you play basketball? I mean, I, there was the other day, um, I was, uh, me and my tennis guys, another strength coach, we were, we were just all playing basketball together. And it's like, you learn so much from that experience that you wouldn't mm-hmm. get in the weight room, right. like about the, you know, their coaches, the players in a different sport and how they move and how they spend energy and you know, what, what makes them tense up and, and right. what, you know, so, um, well, that's no, where I found so much value in not training in the weight room. Like we go into the wrestling room and we're doing jujitsu partner training. To me, that gave me all the gold I needed to understand how they interact with gravity. Because I can see them on two legs running and jumping on a hardwood surface and seeing those loading strategies. And I wonder, what's it like just to be six foot eight and living in a Western society where the world is made for people that are on the average of five foot eight, five foot nine? I wonder what that's like to sit down in those seats, be in those cars, be in that bed where your feet are always hanging off. Like their environment sucks. So, how do I make it better? And it's like, well, I have to give them their childhood development back because they've probably skipped a lot of those stages. So we go in the wrestling room and it's like fall, just fall, control falling, no clue. It looks like someone fell down a flight of stairs and you're just like, oh God, like no wonder why you get hurt because you don't even know how to manipulate those loads that are too great for your joints. So just to be athletic and roll and tumble like a ninja or a gymnastic, like whatever happened to that? And that's where, look, I work in different areas, but the furthest away from sports and then in sports, the gray area, I stay out of, I go super general, super, I mean, as general as you can possibly get. And then I'm in the sport. So that's where, look, if you really want good, like like you're talking about building athletes, make them better humans first, and then we'll see better athletes because they now have capacity to express it. 
Yeah, Jeremy Jeremy Frisch, when he was on a few episodes ago, was talking about some elite soccer player who his upbringing was like 10 years of martial arts. And like Amazing. that taught him how to position himself. You know, it's funny because like when I was playing basketball with my tennis guys, the guy I was guarding is actually physically stronger than me. He is stronger than me, but he's like, oh, don't get the post of Joel. Like he's so strong down there. <laughs> I am not strong down there. I, I haven't back squatted Corey in over a year. Like don't tell people that. Like I do other stuff, but but it's been a while, but it's just like, I'm just good at positioning my weight when right. I need to position it. Right. And that's, it, the, yeah. and that's the goal yeah. of a real athlete, yeah. right? I mean, who cares about physical output to that degree when you know how to manipulate your body to give you an advantage that it just makes the game easier, right? And that's what's beautiful about, like, judo and jujitsu yes. is that's what it's all about, positioning, right? And that's what's so – that's why I think it's so important because our guys don't know how to interact with each other outside of basketball. And what's crazy is when they come back into preseason, like you see weird contact injuries where guys are like running their knees into each other's thighs, stepping on each other's feet. And you're like, yeah, they just know how to, they don't know how to be in close spaces because they've been so far removed from it other than playing pickup, which is not the same intensities. So that's where that technical, technical aspect comes in. And then once again, going all the way far black where we're doing like some judo jujitsu, mm -hmm. like just getting each other shit. And then, presenting it in sport in a safe manner yeah no i couldn't agree more and i think that the i have talked with a few coaches about this and and then uh, a dairy included but like the the martial arts is such a like if you look at all these elements of physical preparation strength nutrition um whatever but like in the physical development domain we we don't pull enough from what's found in the martial arts right. uh, there was a really cool book i was reading it was like a year ago i didn't get to finish it but one of the things that stuck out to me was like the idea of um, it was just an exercise to try to feel, uh, basically like to take the brakes off your movement. It just said, just raise your hand and feel how hard it was. Raise your hand from in front of you to over your head. How hard was it? Okay. Do it again and try to do it more effortlessly. Okay. Do it again. And now try to make it even easier and you'll find out how much effort, how much extra like muscles you're putting into that, that weren't needed. Mm -hmm. And just like that whole thing of just flowing, like it's the flow and moving better. And Jerome Simeon said it well, a few podcasts ago, he's like, it's better to only have a 200 horsepower car, but have, but have zero horsepower breaking you or holding you back yes. than to have a 300 horsepower car with 75. Even though the net's higher, that 75 holding you back is gonna, it's gonna fuck you up. <laughs> like it's gonna mess you up. And what do you think <laughs> chronic heavy lifting is gonna do? It's all breaking. It's all breaking. Yeah. So that's where I think the best thing that could happen in strength is get them out of the weight room. Get everybody out of the weight room. If, just imagine how great strength coaches would be if they just took what the body already came with and just made that better. Yes. Like, that's it. That's it. Don't <laughs> add external anything. Just squeeze the juice out of calisthenics. Like, <laughs> I'm telling you, you're going to find it. You're going to find effortless, efficient, effective movement patterns that are just, oh, so free. Like, just using that free energy. It's beautiful to watch. I mean, you see it with deers. You see it with other animals all the time. But we want to grind things for, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's a time and place, mm -hmm. but especially if you do it in conjunction with, but it's like, man, take that. That, that, is, where you, that is where you're going to have the highest level athlete that can just perform and, number one, last. Just 100% just last. There's just efficient and effective. Yeah, I love I love the idea of how and again, nothing wrong with getting strong and lifting, but it's just just do it with the brakes off and right. find time to take the brakes off and find time to just like fasting, find time to get away from food. So you appreciate it more. You you, you need to. And it's like it's hard to imagine like someone's going to people post that 
video of the cheetah running slow motion on Twitter or social media. And I was like, Oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever. And now let's go bang heavy squats. Like the second half, like, (laughs) like let's, let's, uh, and, and, but I look at like all the great, all the great coaches, like who, who have just been up there in the field, like, like with the Marinoviches and, and, and what Nick Kirsten's doing at Speed of Sports, all high-velocity body yes, weight. And yes. Jay Schrader, high-velocity body weight. Even the extreme ISO lunges we were doing, yep. learn to be really good with your body weight. And it can be hard and intense, and then you get done and you feel like a million bucks. Well, and think about those dudes that are just hanging on pull-up bars up in New York and just f- doing flips and shit off of it. Like, <laughs> yes. Bro, that, those are f- athletes. Yeah. Look at ballet dancers. Those are athletes. I don't see them fucking squatting the world. You know, I see them just doing what they do. And it's beautiful. Like, that's what I love about gymnastics. And that's where, look, you put the kids in an environment to be able to take the brakes off. For instance, we're not going to do tumbling on a hardwood surface, right? Take them into a wrestling room. It's nice and padded, right? It's okay to fall hard, Mm -hmm. but then just fall better and better and better. And then now transfer that to a harder surface. Now you go to turf. Now you go to hardwood. But what's, what's, what's super cool about just having different surfaces is you're going to see different loading patterns. And that's when you know where your athlete lies, right? Like the best, I think, um, what is it? Um, passive versus dynamic, right? Like I can take some of my guys, lay them down and do a, a, a passive IR, right? But then all of a sudden I see like a, a, a picture of them in a the game and they're loaded and their shin angles almost on the ground. And I'm like, well, there's that IR. Like, there's that internal <laughs> See, rotation. A little help with gravity. There, oh, wow. Like, okay, well, then I would have been doing this corrective program for six weeks trying to get his internal rotation better for what reason, right? And that's where, I don't know, just get back to just the bot, Bruce Lee, like, you know, just yes. the body. Yeah, it's, it's, it's in an industry where, and I've written a little bit about this, where it's like there's, there's the, the qualitative and the quantitative. And for some reason, the industry, S&C especially, just goes so hard to wanting to quantify everything, which turns into force, force, force. Right. Which, again, force is good. Like, the best athletes are capable of pretty high force outputs. Right. Um, maybe not expressed through, like, a deep squat per se, but they can produce it. But, like, everything that's in the middle, it's the how of how you produce it mm-hmm. is. And even going to the point where, like, it's the idea of, uh, like, like, you're sprinting and punch the ground as hard as you can. Like, well, that's not really giving and taking like judo. That's not judo right. with the ground. <laughs> that is definitely not <laughs> judo with the ground. There is a dance with the ground. And right. um, I just think it all fits together. Like like whether it be sprinting, whether it be a basketball player needing mm-hmm. to learn to that aspect of force, I think it's something our industry needs. And so it's just cool to hear this from all areas of the field. So that's uh, right, man. Hang on, man. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, uh, one, uh, one thing that I did want to get to in light of this, because it's like, okay, let's talk about movement and dance with the ground and being fluid and, well, yeah, but it's also uh, right. It's it's always suns out, guns out, tank top season, and there's armor <laughs> right. building, and and right. there's the NBA body, right? And like, so I guess you know, there's always like the devil's advocate. And then you, well, it's like, what about the skinny kid who moves really well but needs to put on some muscle and needs right. to put on some weight? And how do you approach getting that NBA body, or at least the college body? How do you um, facilitate that with your guys? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if they feel like they have nice looking arms, they feel like they're strong. So it doesn't really matter. So like at that point. Absolutely. We have arm farm and we have it like in off season. We almost do it every day. Right. And once again, it comes to that power choice. I don't care what curl and tricep extension and shoulder raise you do. Just do it extremely well and then do it for some volume. I don't care. But if you take a weak athlete and you introduce them to general movement patterns and then you progressively load it, mass comes. Right. And then you add obviously nutrition and all those other aspects. Mm-hmm. But as far as like armor building, like, look, 
basketball is a con it's a combat sport essentially i mean there's no pads and these guys are ramming into each other right so there is a certain aspect that i look at as it's an advantage to have a little bit more mass in certain aspects and it's an advantage to have mass so that you can absorb those forces so yes there is that quote unquote armor building aspect but in my world now it used to be in off season i had 10 hours with my guys and the coaches had zero then it went from eight to two. Now it's four and four. So I only have four hours. Now, my coach can give me more, which he does, which is awesome. But going from 10 hours to possibly four hours, well, bodybuilding or muscle building kind of takes a backseat, right? Because I just need to give them enough tissue tolerance to handle the loads that they're experiencing via sport. So from that perspective alone, I'm like, okay, strength training will give you your mass, not necessarily isolated bodybuilding. But I do give them that cherry pie once yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty minutes at the end of the session, knock your stuff out. But that's how I go about it. Yeah, I mean, and it's like I'm not sitting here talking shit. I mean, I've been through the arm farm. Like, I mean, it, with my athletes, yeah, go for it. Five minutes arm farm. Do what you do what right. you want and get a pump and and roll up your sleeves, you right. know, and leave with that feeling in mind. I like. I mean, I like that, but it's not like. Um, and and even I remember when I got ready for my my wedding. Uh, I, I was doing, I run the rack every day, sometimes twice a day, just for the <laughs> yes. hell of it. And, and oh, my arms grew like an inch and a half in that time. It was crazy. Wow. Like I never thought I could yeah. get, I always thought I was just like doomed to have like, you know, these skinny rail arms. And mm -hmm. I do right now because I haven't done it a long time, but, but I was like, dang, I guess I can grow a little bit of muscle there. That's crazy. <laughs> like, uh, so I don't speak from this place that like, oh, like, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I love the process and journey of muscle building as we both do, but right. we, you know, we call a spade a spade, right? But like, for sure. so, but that, okay. So that, let's say that kid who comes in and you know, they, maybe they should put on 10 or 20 yeah. pounds. Do you, do you have like a hypertrophy phase? I mean, a time of intentionally higher reps and what right. is How does that shake out? What does it look like? Well, most of the time, if a kid needs to add weight, one or two things are, are, are poor, uh, nutrition's already poor. So they come in and you just give them better nutrition. You give them, higher quality calories more often because they're in a controlled environment that we're supplying them fuel. Great. So just doing that alone, all of a sudden pounds go up, right? Then you add just controlled stress. I, we don't have to do it. It's not like a Poliquin rest in peace. It's not like it, you know, that kind of bodybuilding where it's tempos three, two, one. Like we're not necessarily looking for those specific stresses to elicit those specific uh, responses. It's just, dude, just do general stuff like mm. whatever happened to three sets of 10, like three sets mm. of 10 done really well, progressively overloaded. You're going to get some muscle, especially if you've never trained before. Now, what I will say though, is how I sneak in a lot of volume is chins and dips, chins and dips. There you go. Body weight, high volume. I mean, Herschel Walker, Jack dude, right? Never lifted a weight in his life. You know, like a lot of these guys can get great hypertrophy, just doing calisthenics, just doing body weight movements. Uh, and, and from that perspective, look, just find creative ways to add it to the training or add it to the ecosystem. Hey, you just walked in my weight room, 10 chins go, right? Yeah. Oh, you just walked out of my weight room, 10 more chins pay before the you toll. go. Pay the toll, 100%. baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just find creative ways to add volume that doesn't put them at a deficit. And that's where, look, sport is so high now, like the amount of sport they do year round, but yet they want to give me less time to get those kids 10 more pounds. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. So now that's that conversation we have to have. Hey, if you want this kid to gain weight, you got to give me the time for that kid to gain weight. And if that doesn't happen, hey, then gaining weight is not a pro is not a priority. And if you look at some of the guys in the league, like, geez, I mean, it just takes a maturity of the body. And all of a sudden, you know, if you try to hijack that, what else are you hijacking? Like, what else are you putting in 
and possible harm's way just to get that response that you're looking for. So for me, I just, I want it as organic as possible. You know, I don't want to put a mark, like for instance, we have a, a red shirt seven footer right now, came in at 207, he weighs 238 now, or excuse me, 228. I mean, that's a considerable amount of mass, but I don't care because his force plate numbers are still going up. Mm -hmm. Great. And once I start seeing KPIs go down, I don't care about muscle building anymore. You know, I just care about mass that you can use. Yeah. And if you can't use it, then what's the point of it? Unless you're just a bulldozer and that's all you're going to do, <laughs> which in the game is now there's none of that. All five dudes on the court can shoot three. It's positionless basketball. Like, yeah. so what's the point of mass? All you need is track stars. <laughs> that's track really, stars who can shoot, who are yes, tall and can shoot threes. Yes, that's <laughs> what you got to have, yeah. you know? And that's where it's like, I think the days of like your David Robinson's, you know, your Shaq's, your uh, Dwight Howard's. Like Dwight Howard's not even, I don't even know if he's in the league anymore. Yeah. But man, he had great arms. <laughs> yeah, no, that guy was yoked. Like I mean, full out. He was jacked. I mean, I think feel like I think someone in the dunk contest wore a Superman thing last night. Yeah. But I'm like Dwight's the only one who could be Superman. Oh, in his absolutely. prime. In his prime. Absolutely. He's the only guy who could be Superman. Absolutely. <laughs> but like you look at the maturity of or the yeah, the maturity of uh, uh Giannis's body. Like the guy for the for the Bucks. Oh my god. Like you saw like a before and after of him, but it was just him turning 22, 23, 24. Yeah. yeah. You know like let the body do it. It's going to tell you when, you know, just give it a nice little stress. And if the body adapts to it, great. If the body doesn't, it's not the stress the body wants. So that's the one thing is just have safety nets for your safety nets and understand, is this really going to make him a better basketball player? Like literally my weakest dude in the weight room is one of my best shooters. Okay. I don't need him driving in the lane and creating contact because that's not what his role is. His role is to shoot the shit out of the basketball. So why worry about it? Hey, just, Let's let's make sure that you're healthy. Let's make sure that you're strong enough to withstand the stresses that are going to be placed upon you on the, in the uh, unprescribed stresses that are being applied to you via sports. So that's all we do. That's all we need. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, you got me on a little tangent there. So hopefully I, I get back to what I was going to say. Um, but have you <laughs> I was just thinking about this because like my some of like my best tennis players who play like court one two, just super fluid, super technique. It's not like they're not trying in the weight room, but they just like don't want to like just put the gas pedal down. Have you ever had like someone who is a good shooter who really wants to crush like all the way? Or is there always that little hesitancy? It's like they want to kind of. I don't, you know what I'm saying? I've had both. So that's, it's kind of hard like to understand like, is it, he was just good in that motor pattern. Right. Yeah. And like maybe that fluidity is why I just snapped off the wrist and it was a super effortless mm -hmm. shot. Or you had that slow kid who's kind of like bigger, who just is a straight set shooter. Right. Mm -hmm. And it has nothing to do with elasticity or any of that. It's just, uh, just like you're at the arcade hitting those shots. Right. It's just effortless because you're big and tall. Right. So that's where it's, it's kind of tough uh, to, directly say i see this in shooters and see this in a weight room yeah yeah i think yeah now that i think about it now that i ask that question I'm like was that a good question but like i <laughs> i i know what doesn't make a good skill athlete like tennis or shooting otherwise is the guy who's just like you know i don't know if you can see my face but like closing their eyes gritting their teeth holding oh, yeah. their breath yeah like yeah bracing know? does not help fluidity yeah whatsoever so you just need freedom and let the fascia do its job let the nervous system do its yeah. job like I mean, if you, that's what, I, I mean, once again, there's a time and place to get under the bar and grind. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's what I was all about. That's, I still am about that. But my, but if I was to perform in sport, then my ideology changes. And so that's, what's 
very conflicting daily is I go and do bodybuilding, I go do a powerlifting, or I go do Olympic weightlifting literally within a week because that's how I train. I just don't care. Just do whatever. You're type 2A. You're Absolutely. Variety. Gotta variety. have variety. <laughs> Gotta have variety. But uh, the idea of just being uh, just efficiency, like whatever happened to training for efficiency? Like everybody wants to train for output. What, what about just not output as in I got from point A to point B faster. How about I got from point A to point B in the same amount of time with less effort? Whatever happened 100%. to that? Like, that's great. Yeah, like how many people, like, yeah, we did that with tennis the other day. Like, I just, I'm like, it was kind of something we finished with because maybe I just noticed the group was a little too, like, grindy. And one thing I've been doing is, like, just either trying to put athletes under physical fatigue through, like, maybe extreme isos or something, like, mentally challenging and just seeing who tenses up and who doesn't or who uh, holds yeah. good posture and who starts putting their head down and kind of getting into their body and losing awareness and no matter what, like the pattern is king. Uh, I, I probably lost myself in that thought a little bit, but no matter what the pattern is king, if, if the pattern's good, um, you're going to, whether it's lifting a heavy weight or whatever you do, um, the, if you can just sustain the pattern regardless through fatigue, through a heavier weight, a lighter mm -hmm. weight, what changes, I, I always feel like that's something that is at least something I'm starting to learn and take on and, and maybe not make total blanket statements. Right. Like, right. But, um, that's where for me, like if whatever I'm doing, it's got to, compliment whatever they're good at like I, I don't know i think i heard this on one of your podcasts a few episodes ago but it was the be if your best athletes are not the best at the exercises you're prescribing in the weight room then you're probably doing the wrong exercises so that made me like i that hit home with me hard because i'm sitting there like man if anybody walked in my weight room they'd be wondering like it's a circus act in here everybody's doing different stuff and everybody but i'll tell you what when we get into like a trap bar sport squat if you will where it's super high quarter squat but very very heavy loads done under a certain speed my most elastic athletes are ripping weights faster more effortless than anybody else and i'm like ah that's an exercise that I know my best athletes are doing and they're the best at it. Awesome. And then I look at bench press and I go, Nope, <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> so it's all about finding the times of the year to prioritize those lifts. And for me, that's not off season. That's only in season off season, get them really good at things that they're bad at and then give them as much variety as possible in your decision-making process, not theirs, because you want to introduce them to so many different means and methods so that all of a sudden, oh man, and always take those mental notes. Hey, how did you like that lift? You know, that was the one, Corey. You know, that hinge, that was the hinge, okay. <laughs> and that's going back into, in, uh, into my notes. Hey, you remember that? Like we're finally getting into season, finally getting into training, some, some decent loads. You remember that lift? Yeah, that was the, yeah, that's what you're doing for the next five, six, whatever you want to do. So that's where, yeah, I mean, I, I really, I know it's against the grain, but programming, you know, templates, like all that, like that's what I love about basketball is I don't have to worry about that shit. Like there's no care at the end of the stick or an incentive for me to, well, if my guys, you know, run this 40 time or my guys bench press 225 this or my guys – you know, that quantify or that adds value to my position. You know, that's what's great about basketball is, you know, at the end of the day, like the combine's combine, but the best basketball player is going to be the one drafted the highest, mm -hmm. period. So there's no physical output metric that says, ooh, Corey, you did your job. Only thing I care about is trending right. I don't care where we end up. I just care about as long as we're trending up, you're getting better at general physical qualities. I did my job. You know, I, I, that's all I care about. I don't care about, oh, I got to get you to X. You got your vertical increased 30%. Who cares? Like, who cares? Just 
have fun, make it a great environment. They let them learn how to train themselves. You give them that education for the rest of their life. You've taken care of them from a physical aspect. And that's one thing that I think most kids leave their training program in four years. And they're like, I got to go hire somebody because I don't know how to train myself. And that blows my mind. If you're in a program for four years and you have a strength coach, especially in my situation where I work with 13 athletes and my athletes don't know how to train themselves. Like, I'll be honest with you. When they go home, I, I, I go, what do you, what do you want to do? Like, give me your idea of a good workout. And they tell me, I'm like, yeah, I like that. Go like, because they now know how to train. So that's where, I don't know how we got off on that tangent. No, that's but, a good tangent. I'm yeah. actually thinking, well, I'm like, I'm like judging myself a little bit now. Cause I, you know, I think I do all this cool shit with tennis. I like what I do with my tennis team now. I was saying it a little bit on the last podcast. A lot of like the speed of sports stuff, a lot of the ISOs, a little bit of lifting. I'm like, oh, this is cool. But what you were saying, being a teacher to them, because I remember like dead week finals, I had a guy come in and I thought I had this awesome fall with these guys. And this guy just comes in and just does curls and bench press. And, <laughs> right, right. And I'm right. like, uh, hey, don't worry, my guys yeah, still do that. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's cool. It's like, I get it. But it's like, I didn't, I'm now think, well, maybe there could have been something I could have given this guy that he took ownership of and like that was also athletic, right. you know, that was going to help him in what he needs in sport. Not that, you know, it's not good to be strong and this guy, you know, needing to feel better about, you know, his physicality. But I think that was I a good teacher to my athletes is I, I, really underrated. Honestly, I think the best indicator for a strength coach to know if he was a good teacher is how they warm up. Like, how are they prepared? Like, once again, I'm not a warm up guy. I don't tell my guys how to warm up. Like we go through things that they could use to warm up or to prepare their bodies. But when they come in, I have no, the training's on the board. I'm not telling you to do five T-spine rotations, five, you know, tactical or, you know, growing stretches. I'm not telling you to do that. No, no, no. Like prepare your body. Like you're, like you're trying to treat yourself like an athlete, right? Here's a bunch of things that I've already introduced to you in off season. And what's amazing is seeing what they just do naturally. And I remember I had an intern come up to me recently. He's like, so, you know, you don't do any warm-up, team warm-ups. I'm like, why, why? Like, does everybody adapt the same way? Does everybody find value in the same things? So you'll see half the team doing, you know, our quote-unquote fascia two series, which is just basically some yoga poses, but done dynamically. You'll see some of our guys just go into like a suspension training like circuit where it's like a lot of just squatting patterns and upper body patterns done on a suspension system, so they'll, like a TRX, so that'll allow them to get in deeper ranges. Uh, you'll see some guys just grab a kettlebell and go, just start swinging it, start doing some windmills. Um, then you'll see some guys with med balls just start throwing them. It's like, it's pretty good. Like, I see that type of athlete, and what's really cool – is your most dynamic athletes want to do dynamic shit. Like they don't want to do the slow yeah. stuff. And that's like, well, yeah, that's probably right. They don't want breaks. Like, you know, like that's that's power, right? That told me a whole lot about like type two, type eight, like all these different types of athletes. Yeah. My grindy guys, guess what? They want to take time. Like they're mm -hmm. they're going slow through these big stretches and to prepare their body. And I'm like, yeah, I know what I need to give you. I'm okay with you doing that in your warm up, but like as far as your training, the exact opposite. <laughs> Yeah, I have a, a elite level swimmer who I'm working with who I'm almost positive he is a 2B and I'll let him go off the rails of the traditional plant workout if we're doing cleans because he just likes to do like eight or nine sets because he wants to feel it. He wants right. to feel that right. even if it's explosive, maybe not, you know, not as 2B of a movement as most, but he, you could tell he just needs to feel it. It's so like, cool, dude, like go for it. I'm not going to be like, you must do my program. And, <laughs> right. like, and it, it works for him. He's, he's fine. And, and he likes it. And I, it's like. I think, you know, there is that line. Obviously, you can't just say, oh, here, go have a free-for-all, everybody. Like, you know, you're there to, to create this environment that's learning, and then they can right. eventually take it. But 
as you're talking, man, I just had this thought where it's like, like the bonder chuck training system was all about all the cycles leading up to the most important competition were just test cycles. Let's see what you're good at. Let's see what you like. Let's see what gives you a good reaction. We're going to track it and, and, and through a, a variety of means intuition and then a quality or quantitative. But when it's competition, when it's game time, when it's Olympic trials or Olympics, the stuff you like is going to be in there. Yep. And it's like, that's exactly what you're doing in the means of basketball. So I think that's, that's pretty damn cool. Corey. I appreciate it, man. Like, uh, to be honest with you, I never knew, like to me, it just it made sense as a basketball player because the the great thing about it, there's no iron tradition in basketball. There is no oh, I gotta do five sets of five on hand cleans because that's what we did in high school football and that's what college football does and that's what like there's none of that. It's just a free for all in training, and so why not be free, right? Right? Why not have such latitude that people actually take ownership of their training? And there's not a ceiling of or an expectation of what is demonstrated in a controlled environment that says, oh, I'm a great football player or a basketball player. Right. So that's what's awesome about basketball. It's just it's just so free. Yeah. So free, free flowing and, and just so much room for creativity. So uh, we'll finish with this is what advice do you have for coaches to to really hone their creative qualities? Because in working out with you, talking, I'm like. I, I just love working like, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to work out with you before this. I just love working out with creative coaches who think outside the box. Like, yeah. and that's been a huge driver of my own development. So any advice for coaches in you know, honing their creative side and uh, being able to serve their athletes more in that capacity? Well, we, we have what we call play time. And I know that sounds a little weird, but like I'll bring random interns in and we just pick an implement and I'm like, go. And he's like, what do you mean go? I'm like, just, I don't know, lift it, pick it up, like do it by different means. Okay. I had, this is a sagittal based movement. How can we make this frontal? Like, how can we go through transverse planes? How can we just do different stuff with this? And then next thing you know, we do like me and my man, Josh, he's now at Auburn. We're doing, um, there's landmine snatches, rotational snatches that like broke the internet. <laughs> during that time. <laughs> and now you see a lot of people doing it. And I was sitting there like, I mean, we were literally just fucking around with the landmine one day. Like, yeah, I mean, this is a regressed movement pattern that I can do with athletes because single leg RDL is kind of hard if you're doing it just with dumbbells or a barbell freestanding. So, oh, let's make it easier by putting in a landmine, and then it turns into that. And that's where, you know, for me, it's set aside time that is not controlled training. Just have, have fun. Get together with other coaches. And I like different. Like, just give me something different because if I'm doing what I already think works – well, then I'm not going to get any better. So I need weird stuff. Like I need things that just don't make sense because if it's working for somebody, it can work for someone else because my athletes are way more ballistic and dynamic than I am. So I always look at track and field. I always look at, um, I'm trying to think of it, like martial arts in this, like in the extreme of like karate, like things like, because they, oh my gosh, like those kicks, like the way they express force so fast. I mean, to me, that's, I mean, if I can give my basketball players that type of reaction off the floor and changing positions like uh, low to high or whatever, like that's – I just gave them a whole other toolbox to make them successful in their sport. So I'd say find – make playtime. Make playtime and then don't be afraid to laugh at each other because we do dumb shit all the time. And it just so happens that a few of them work out pretty good. Yeah, I love it, man. Yeah, nothing better than like – yeah, we talked about this before. Like, if you could just get rid of everything else you have, take one piece of equipment and yes. just figure it out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. think about the power of just, like, I thought about doing this, just throwing, like, two or three pieces, like a kettlebell, a center mass bell, maybe a, a I don't know, maybe a K-Box, I don't know, just something in the trunk of my car, 
and just drive around and yeah i want to train here today and it just so happens to be a park and they have some crazy concrete barriers okay cool i'm going to do some swings into jumps on top of that okay i have the same implement i'm just changing environment and then just what ha- whatever happens happens like it'd be cool and uh and that's why i like i, I appreciate the compliment earlier about having the um the mechanic shop, if you will, like the, the master mechanic shop where you just have all these different tools to use. And it's not saying that you got to do different things, but it's, it's to, it's to just create, it's just to create, have fun. And yeah. And most importantly, like just to create an environment where all of your athletes needs can be met. Oh, I love it. Well, Hey, next Sunday you're free. Let's, uh, let's do that workout. Absolutely. Sounds like it'll be fun, man. <laughs> well, Hey, Corey it was awesome having you on, dude. Hey, appreciate you, brother. <laughs> All right, that does it for another episode. Thanks for being here with us. And uh, again, we look forward to continuing to push this thing forward, push this podcast forward, bringing you some great conversations with great coaches like Corey. We'll see you all next week. In the meantime, if you enjoyed this podcast, enjoy this show, uh, please don't forget, um, don't hesitate. (laughs) Leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever you're listening to. Also, uh, much love and respect to our sponsor, simplyfaster.com, suppliers of high-end training technology. It's K-Box, Gym Wear, Free Life Timing System, Force Plates, uh, Contact Grids. They really have it all and the best of each category with sport training technology. Also a great blog, so be sure to visit them. Uh, last thing before I let you go is my new book, Speed Strength, is out. It is getting reviews from some of the best in the industry. So if you want to check that out and just see this product of three years of work, picking the brains of coaches like Adarian Barr, uh, really harnessing the collective of knowledge from many of the great guests that we've had on here. Um, check that book out. It's on Just Fly Sports. And if you're international, it's also on Amazon. So I'll leave you with that and have a great week. We'll see you next week.